Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide to find the common ground we know we all share. I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and here we are again. What do we do now, and how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes. For it's the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog, people. Small groups of folks with outsized voices are commanding the stage. And the rest of us? Well, we suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Have the hard conversations. And together, let's etch the edges. Today, our very special guest is the Democratic candidate for the Georgia General Assembly's Senate District 9, Nikki Merritt. When we return, we'll talk voting rights, education, health care, national politics, and of course, local politics. Because to be sure, all politics is local. We'll see you when we return. Welcome, Mrs. Nikki Merritt, to the show. She's our special guest today. Welcome, Nikki. I hope you don't mind me calling you Nikki. We kind of go back a bit, right? We Nikki works. I don't do the titles. I guess even when I get one, I probably will struggle with it. But um, Nikki is fine. I, as we talk, my name is Nikki Merritt, running for state senate in the 9th district. And yes, I, you, as you and I were saying, I'm regular people. And, um, so yeah, Nikki works. <laughs> And that's the whole point. We need regular people in office to do the regular kind of things that, you know, turn into extraordinary outcomes. It's really important. So I just want to say first, Dr. Gabe, Nikki, much respect to be sure you're doing the real thing here. You'll be willing, you're willing to step out in front, engage in politics with these people in these times, these special times. And, you know, from me personally and my family, and I'll speak for the other folks that live in Gwinnett County, I think we just really need to say thank you for being willing to do so. It, it's, a, it's a real big deal. Thank you, thank you, Derek. And you know what? What motivates me the most is, um, I, I got into this whole political sphere as I was trying to find my place after 2016 to see what part I could do to change the direction that we see that is clearly happening now. Um, and after, out of those frustrations, I got with the Democratic Party and just started doing voter registration because I figured that is the pillar of everything that we're trying to do. So if I can push the voters, voter education, get them motivated, then that will be the, the part that I play. So after that, I decided to push it a little further because I see a need as I was talking to people, they felt like they weren't being heard, they weren't being represented, and when I looked at who was um, in the leadership and who was in, in this seat right now, PK Martin, I realized that they weren't. So part, a lot of what is driving me is to be that relatable voice for people that have, so that they have representation that um, has shared experience for all of them. And, you know, many African-Americans, black people in this country, we come from families that have been disenfranchised and we've had to deal with structural racism. So I am passionate about uh, leveling the playing field there and making sure that we do have things in place for social justice and equality. So that is what drives me. That is why I stepped up to run. I wanna make life better for everyone. Uh, we all deserve to have a quality of life and be dealt with with dignity and respect. Uh, we all want to live well. We all want to live in safe communities. And I just know that I can, I can do better there. I can, I can be that person for everyone. And that is what drives me every day 
to keep going. Uh, so many people are hurting now. And um, it, it, it breaks my heart every day, but it also keeps me just driven to win this seat and to flip the seat and be the, be the next state senator for District 9. Awesome. That's awesome, Nikki. So you've leaned in and you shared with us the, the powerful journey. You said a couple of things. I want to just focus on one thing in particular that came out of that because you're talking about equality and that just slides right into inequity. And even mm -hmm. though we understand that you and I have come from our backgrounds and achieved at a certain level, we know what inequity is. We still see it. And that leads us to say things like Black Lives Matter. But we know we live in a space where everyone doesn't agree. Some of them for obvious racist reasons, and that is what it is. But we have those who purport to be allies, right? And they still feel we're saying the wrong thing through a political prism. What's your response mm -hmm. to that when your drive is to end inequity? Because I, I, I think Black Lives Matter, right? Right. And Black Lives do matter. We're not saying that all lives don't. But we're saying that for this moment in this time, because we have faced so much adversity and we're seeing um, racism play out right in front of us with law enforcement. And uh, so what we're saying is like, hey, y'all, we need to take special notice of us right now because we've been dealing with that. And not only that, we've been telling y'all for years that we've been struggling with these inequities. You know, we've been telling y'all for years that police officers have been, you know, uh, uh, you know, arresting black folks and 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 the violence and the, the over aggression. We've been telling y'all that for years. We've been telling y'all for years that hey, you have vigilantes out there, uh, like you see with with Aubrey, that think it's okay to be out there and hey, I see a black person there on my street, I want to kill. So. We know in the black community, we've been telling, we've been saying this, but with the internet and social media, I think it's, it's really getting into the face of white people now and they, yeah. maybe they hear us now. And, you know, I refuse to let them, I refuse to let them feel guilty about us owning Black Lives Matter. Um, That's because, a statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I, I think even, even those that claim that they're liberal, they sometimes forget that the playing field is not equal, that these things, structurally, it is not equal. Just because you live well and you got your loans for your house and you never had a problem with that or somebody following you in stores or, you know, understand there are, there are those in the Black community that face this every day, every single day. We're reminded that we're black every day uh, and that there are those that try to make us seem like we don't matter and that we're half people. So I think they don't understand that, that that's day to day for us, you know, and they do live in sometimes a bubble of an echo chamber of like privilege. <laughs> you know, the privilege is there. So you can't see, you know, you can't see if you've never lived these things. And um so I so yeah that's that's my response to that yeah we we're gonna keep owning Black Lives Matter and I appreciate those white people that have come out and they're they're taking it on too because we do have white allies don't get me wrong we have them they understand it we don't have to explain it to them if they didn't understand it some of them have come to realize like oh wow this is a problem I I get it now I get it and I embrace them. We're not going to shut them down. We're going to embrace them. Y'all come on over to our side. So we, we're going to keep encouraging them, keep encouraging the dialogue. Let's keep scratching at that sore and start having some real conversations. I think that is needed. I don't think we've ever healed as a country. The, 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 the racism, we haven't healed from slavery. We need to keep talking about it. It, you know, it, and I think a lot of times white people kind of want to avoid that conversation, but we need to have it. And we need to have it often. So, yeah, and then there needs to be an acknowledgement like, yeah, I get it now. You guys, you know, Black people were really wrong here. And what can I do to help going forward? Um, how can we, how can we? Yeah. yeah, we've been catching hell, don't you know? We appreciate you guys stepping up and aligning with us. I got to tell you, you know, I've gone through a, a couple of marches, and, and, and to your point, um, it's been really refreshing because I think we're in a much special, a much more special time, a, 
a blessed time when I can look mm -hmm. at a march and there are more white people there than people. Right, that's, right. That's moving, very moving. I've seen it like, you know, we did one and there was a moment of silence and then it was in Lilburn. I think it was more white people than I than more black people. I so and they were kneeling and 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 being in solidarity. And you know, if anything, I do want black people to understand like there are some good white people. Yes. It's not like they're all bad. Like it's not like you know we can't we can't put everybody into these all or nothing buckets. You know this this uh you know they're all this way. That it, that's not a true statement. And, Absolutely. Um, I, I believe ultimately and what i want to work on going forward is community and community means all of us all of us not say that they don't need to acknowledge some things and make it easy but this is all of us we're all americans and what i like to say you know racial um racial labels are designed to dis to divide people right so if I can say that you're, you know, this black American, African American, white, or sometimes people want to know like where you're from, you know, those labels are made to divide. But if you go to other countries, like if you've ever traveled overseas, overseas, like me, a black person going to anywhere, they think of us as Americans. Yeah, they understand you're black, but at the end of the day, they know you're American. They don't care what color you are. When Russia looks at us, they don't single out, oh, we're just going to attack white people or black people or these people. No, they're thinking Americans. You know, we all carry that, that, that is us, whether we're black or whatever. So, you know, one day in a real world, I hope we can move past those labels and just realize we're all, we're all Americans here. Even if you're immigrant, you're still here. You're an American. You're here. You know, you've been here for a long time. And we, that's when we can start building to me some community. Let's just acknowledge we're just we're, we're Americans and, and, and break some of that barrier. But that's gonna take a long time. We we're not there yet. <laughs> but we're gonna get there. Most definitely, most definitely. I noticed we got a little bit of instability in the line, Nikki. Um I'm just checking something oh. right here. I'm hoping we make Okay, it, let me know if it's something I can do. Did you did you guys not hear you can hear me? No, I think I heard everything. I'll I'll let you know um after the fact, but so okay. far so good. Let's just keep on rolling. So I want to break us up a level. Okay. Um because it's it's like you said though, we we're probably going to have to do this a couple of times. Um you know, you you're doing the right thing, but there's just so much to unpack, right? So much to uncover. But it let's is. start up at the high I get level. wordy. I get wordy. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you got a lot going on in your head. That, you know, thinking, thinking, we need that, Nikki, we need that. And so, you know, um, I want to start at the higher level and, and quickly work us back down to what's really critical, local politics. But first, I just want your high level opinion, because I'm asking it of everybody that comes on the show, and I'm going to start with one word, and then you respond. That word, okay. Trump. <laughs> okay, well, he, he in himself, Trump is a virus in himself. Um, my biggest issue and has always been my issue with trump is he's not a good person at the end of the day from day one he has soared division chaos and when we talk about labeling and um wanting to separate communities his rhetoric has always been racist and divisive um he openly uh has admitted to assaulting women um, and at the end of the day, he's just not a good person. To me, leadership means that you are somebody people can at least admire and look up to and look to for solace and look to for, for guidance in some way. And granted, a lot of our leaders haven't been perfect, but I do believe even some of my Republicans at this point have tried in some way. And this guy completely does not care. I can't, no one can name one good thing that he's done, a good thing. I don't even say done for anything. I don't, I'm trying to name the good thing. Um, if they, if you have people that want to hang on, oh, where the economy is good. We can't even hang on that now because now we see what happens when COVID comes in. When we have a virus that now is uh, causing a pandemic and now our economic structure is, 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 is at risk. So the economy thing, 
we can stop hanging on that. Not saying that it's not those that are out there that are capitalizing on this pandemic oh, and yeah. making money. But at the end, of, the end of it, to me, life is way more important than the economy. We have got to invest in vulnerable people. We can't forget our elderly. Uh, and we just need to have health care in general. If we can't get that right, our we have no economy here if we're not investing in people. So, you know, Trump is a clown. And he, you know, and he, but he's just a symptom of the bigger problem. You know, he has made it okay for racists to come in and, uh, you know, I guess 2020 is their year. But as my husband says, this is their last stand because this is their last stand. And uh, when Trump leaves, thank you all for exposing yourselves and revealing who you are, because we not we are not going to forget. So we can thank him in some respects for making people more engaged. Now we can thank him for revealing a bunch of races that we knew that were there that were being quiet. And that's about it. <laughs> we can thank him. Nothing else. Good will come from this man, and now he's waged war on his. He has these thugs out here in Portland, Oregon, waging war on American people, just so he can soar more chaos and and distract from his his lack of handling this pandemic in a real way. It's a distraction right. from his failure, his his complete failure as a president. So that's what he does. He just keeps stuff going. And you know, sometimes, Derek, I just, I don't get uh, triggered by everything he does all the time now. Like my friend's like, oh, you hear what Trump said? I'm just like, oh, what do you say now? Like, is that what he does? But let's look at the base of it. Remember how he got elected and who he was when he was elected. He's still the same. Nothing's changed. So our job is to get rid of him and work every day to get rid of him and make sure everybody gets those polls. <laughs> and then yeah everybody can get to the polls i know I'm, the, I'm swinging off a little bit i don't care what people think about joe biden at the end of the day do i think joe biden is perfect no do i think he's a good person yes do i think he is going to put the right people in place to get us where we need to be yes and if you don't want to vote for joe vote for ruth bader because that old lady is not hanging on forever and she is trying and her, you, you know, if nothing else, whatever you have, like I said, against Joe, you need to vote Supreme Court because let me tell you, the Republicans weigh a, a lot on the Supreme Court. They know the end game. That's the end game of all. That's it. <laughs> Trump is temporary. Trump is temporary. Supreme Court justices are until they die. <laughs> he can maybe do, uh, we can you know, get another term, but he four years or, you know, even as president, he get eight. Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. You're Decades. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. RBG is hanging on for this. And we all know it. <laughs> we all know Bless her spirit, her soul, and may there be an anointing on her physicality for the yeah, right. next six to eight months. We got to have it. I'm right there with you. All right, so let's keep moving. We're going to bring it down one more, more, one more level, Nikki. So we did Trump. Okay. And I, I love how you, you unpacked that. We'll have to unpack that later because, you know, I want to chime in right with you, but we've got to give you maximum exposure on this. So let's dive into what's next instead of, you know, I want to give you room to speak. I don't want to keep interrupting you with thoughts on, on what no, you're I'm, fine. I'm right there aligned with you, just so you know. Um, I'm going to say one word again, and then I'm going to let you expound. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Kim. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, you mean the fake governor? Like, we're not even sure he's the governor. He is the guy that is sitting in the governor's seat. You know, when you don't even have the integrity enough to step down when you're secretary of state and you're running for governor, uh, you have already made me not trust you. <laughs> and then, you know, I can't even trust the numbers that came in. So, honestly, this man does not have... He doesn't have my respect at all. Um, again, I don't really know if he's the real governor. Who knows? Uh, but right now, his leadership or his lack thereof is being more exposed than ever. He's a fraud. Um, but what do we expect from somebody that stole the election? He refuses to 
put in just a simple mask mandate. And I guess unless he gets clearance from his deplorable daddy, uh, you know, as of late, now he's like, oh, we need to wear masks for the next, I don't know what he said. Four weeks. But that's because, right, was it four weeks? Four weeks. That's that's because his daddy is now saying, like, yeah, we're wearing masks now, right? (laughs) So it's kind of this thing. Now, when when Trump came into town, it was just kind of funny. All of a sudden, we have a lawsuit against the mayor of Atlanta. And she's trying to protect, put protections in place for her city. And you want to sue her with our money? Yeah. Wow. Money that we could be using for COVID. Um, and, you know, despite these rounding numbers, he still fails to increase precautions. Um, somehow it hasn't come to his realization. If we don't have healthy people, uh, we don't put protections in businesses and schools you can have no economy. And I think I've touched on that before. Um, I think, again, his incompetence, I, I, I haven't decided if it's incompetence or is he now just trying to cover up for his weakness too. Um, you know, and I, my statement as I was on when is he's playing politics with people's health at this point, this Kemp. But uh, yeah, that's my thing about Kemp. He is, um, I, I think I've run out of words to say like of, of how poorly he's doing right now. And he still is. And the thing is, Derek, a lot of people, even in my neighborhood, just express concerns about, they just feel very confused right now. Not only are they afraid, they're confused. We have no clear plan out of this. We are not getting clear direction. Um, and it should come from leadership, if not at our federal level, our local level. And it's not being done. And it's making people very uneasy. Just regular, I mean, people just here in my neighborhood. And uh, I think that is, um, that's the bigger issue here. We need really strong, competent leadership right now. Even just to manage um, ways to keep us healthy, to keep us protected. And, you know, we're just not getting that now. And so we have a failure at the federal level. And now Georgia in itself is a failure as a state. And that is the bottom line. You hit it right nail on head, unfortunately, a complete and total lack of leadership at all levels of government, save for the local within our state. You've got what could almost be considered uprisings in small pockets of urban areas, where mayors are saying, this is illogical, it's a total lack of critical thinking, I'm gonna do what's best for all my constituents in spite of party. On the red side, not so much. And, 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 and I'm gonna share this with you from my perspective, Nikki, my word on Kemp. I've got a few, but I'm just gonna keep it real short and simple. I remember the commercials. The commercials before I started to understand and the, and the data was breaking out and Stacy was showing what's really going on. I just, you know, it's, it's the commercials and the one where he had the shotgun and he was gonna shoot the kid trying to date his daughter. That left an impression. You know, I, I'm actually a second amendment guy, but mm-hmm. you know, from, in that regard, I believe you have to be responsible. And mm-hmm. the commercial to me just spoke tons about his lack of responsibility. And then he had the commercial where he had the bus and he said outright, he was gonna put Mexicans on the bus and drive them to the border. I looked at the TV, Nikki, and I said, is this real? I did too, I thought we were being punked. Yes. Is this real? Yeah, a real commercial. But what even punked me further was the fact that I had neighbors and in, in, in folks who thought that that was a good commercial. That oh, wow. had no meaning and that says a whole, hell of a lot about how some of our people view things. Yeah. The things that they unpack, and like you said, they've come out because now they they might have posted it online, but then you're driving down the highway and now they're just out free and and, and, and it's also on the bumper. They're waving it from the bridge. You know, illegals go home. We're going to get rid of the Mexicans. I'm like, well, wow, okay. That's 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 what they've opened the door for, and it's got to stop. Yeah, let's make racism wrong again. That's, yes, that's let's like... <laughs> make racism wrong again. I love it. I love it. That's what we got to do. Okay, so let's bring it down another level. We're gonna bring it down another <laughs> okay. level. Um, we're moving local, right? So instead of just saying a word, I'm just gonna go ahead and expound on a few things for our listeners. At this level, you'll be running against a guy named PK Martin. 
who mm -hmm. has held the office you're running for since 2015. Mm -hmm. In the current election, which is why we're having this runoff, early mm -hmm. voting is already taking place. Mm -hmm. Folks, mm -hmm. get out there, vote, it's essential. You, you, you need to do it, it's your duty as a citizen of this country. Um, the total votes on the Democratic side, I believe, were about 17,664. Nikki, you garnered 7,969. Um, it's actually a little higher than that. Higher. Um, yeah. Um, the total, hold on, because I just pulled, I'm sorry, Derek. It's actually, we, uh, we, we actually got 20, District 9 got 26% of the Democratic vote. It was 26,000 Democrats came out to vote, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, of that, if I can get the number up really quick, because I was just looking at it, so I apologize. Yeah, put it, put it wow. out there. We got to put it out there. We got to put it out there. Um, but and then I'll go into the runoff. Uh, I just had this up too, Derek. I'm sorry. Uh, results. Give me a minute, and I'll go. But you can finish your question. I'll pull it up, or what you were saying, and I'll pull up. Yeah, the, yeah. So yeah, let, let's get the while you're getting the numbers. The point I wanted to make is that we've got good numbers, and you took the majority of the votes. But mm -hmm. what we really need to be saying is that folks can't get lackadaisical after the fact because I believe the Republicans fielded over 12 or 13,000. And as we were saying earlier, they always come out to vote. So yep. you got to yep. come out. You got to bag Nikki. You know, if your candidate didn't win, you know, we get that. It's the nature of an election. But right. you got to step up and step out. You got to step up and step out because you best believe when it comes down to the general election, they're gonna put their people in the field. Yep, they're coming. yep. They're coming. And I was just having a conversation uh, today about that incidentally, cause she was asking me, you know, how's your race looking? But back to what we were originally talking about the numbers. So for district nine, we had 59% um, uh, democratic votes for D9. Um, my particular race, the total number of Democrats was 26,262 Democrats that came out and voted. Yes. Uh, of that, I got 12,535 votes, putting me roughly at 48%. The other, uh, the number one, the, sec the third place and the second place runoff split uh, between them, roughly 26% of votes each. That's where my vote split. Gotcha. So clearly I have the, the, I have the, I won, I won the most votes, but in Georgia to avoid a runoff, just for those that don't know, mm -hmm. you have to get 50% of the votes plus one. So yeah. we were about two percentage points shy of winning it right out. So now it goes to it, the runoff is between me and the second place um, candidate and you know he holds at like 26% 27% of the vote i have 48 yep so he does have a he has a a gap to he does have a hurdle to jump mm -hmm. however the whole deal with runoffs is i need you guys to get back out if you yeah. voted for me the first time i need you out there voting for me again so that we can go ahead and secure this runoff so i can get on to the general and get to the real work of unseating this republican um and <laughs> as as Derek was saying, um, he's not gonna go down silently or easy. And if he doesn't do it, it will be the Republican parties and the PACs that are going to fight for him. So we're already fully expecting, just like they're going after Ossoff. Part of the reason I need everybody's support and money and, and things like that is I have to be able to counter whatever they're gonna put out because they are not going to go quietly. They're about to lose a state Senate seat. Really two, there, there's two races. Uh, John Albers is up in, in Cobb and um, uh, that seat will flip. And my seat is the other seat that were flipped. So already they know, and Sarah Beeson is running for that seat, by the way, up in Cobb. So if you're up in Cobb, go support Sarah. She's trying to flip that seat from John Albers. I'm trying to flip the seat from PK. So the Republicans already know the stakes are high. It is, it, it will be embarrassing for them to lose this seat, but they're going to anyway, because the numbers aren't in their favor. And just like I was telling you, the amount of Democrats that came out and voted in D9, it was 26,000. He got 18,000 votes, Republican votes. Now, does that mean like, oh, we, let's keep this in mind. 
Yeah. Some Republicans probably stayed home. Mm-hmm. Some might have drawn a dim ballot. Some mm-hmm. some could have drawn a dim ballot because I know some of them wanted to weigh in on the commission Um, Some of them stayed home because they already had their nominee. PK had no uh, primary challenger. Mm-hmm. So they might have sat back. So let's keep it in mind. But he's at 18. 18,000 Republicans came out. 26 Democrats came out. Per our numbers, we do outnumber the Republicans by about one or 200 votes, like in all of D9. So that means we can't afford to have anybody sit back, stay home. You can't, y'all. It's going to be a fight. Uh, I'm not going to win by like, uh, you know, it's not going to be like this 20% gap per se. It's going to be close. Because yeah. I expect them to fight back. So just keep that in mind. But until then, I do need everybody out in the runoff, as you were saying. Give me past the runoff. August 11th is the runoff. I'm just going over this for folks. Early vote is now through August the 7th. Go ahead and early vote. There's no lines. Uh, you can still absentee, but the absentee ballot does need to be there on August the 11th. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> No, and you got to, Nikki. You got to. You know, don't, don't, don't step back from that. I got. As a matter of fact, I got a show coming up where I'm going to be talking about how to vote with a critical thinking mind and always getting engaged. Just so folks know, my my sample ballot is right here on my desk. That's my work desk over here. This is my podcast desk, and I've got podcast activities right here. This really, it's really important. Now, some of you listeners, I know how you can can be out there, and you probably just, you know, you listen to Nikki talk the numbers and you nod it. And you might let it gloss over you for a minute. I'm going to ask you to just rewind and, and, and not let that gloss over you. And this is the reason why, and that's where we're going next. These numbers matter. In case you missed it, she said 100 or 200 votes. That's critical. That's critical. If you don't show up and show out, then the thought of flipping this will pass us by. And if you're talking about closing the gap between what we need and what we have, if you're talking about inequity, you're talking about trying to be equal and working out the things that are causing us so much pain and strife. If you're talking about cohesive leadership, then you got to get up, you got to get out, and you got to get something. You got to vote. You need to vote in the runoff. You have to be prepared to vote in the general. And like I said, we got a show coming up. We're going to talk about the criticality of voting and how you got to be thinking with a critical thinking mind and how you have to admonish the folks who are running for you to always keep you in mind. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that with Nikki because she's already doing that for us. Um, so moving on to that next piece, we got to talk about, you know, not only why it's so important that we go out and vote for you, but we need mm-hmm. you to tell us, Nikki, why are local politics so important anyway? Why, why, oh why do you have to, I mean, because, you know, a lot of us don't get it. Well, like, you know, I, I know. voted for president. I did that. Right, right. You know, right. quite honest, I don't like voting. I don't understand it all. People be trying to tell me to go read stuff. Do you know how hard it is to read every day? You know, I write books, Nikki, so just hearing people say that just, it, it beats me to pieces. But anyway, that's what our folks do, right? So please, Nikki, t- t- share it with the people. Tell them why local politics is so important. I would say this, all politics starts local. I can't tell y'all, yeah, federal, fine. Your local government directly affects you. I'm talking down to the your tax-paying money that you're spending, how we spend that money as a state, down to your, when it comes to mayor's race. You know, uh, what I found is during this Black Lives Matter, hold on, I got to plug this thing here. It's about to die on me. Give me one second. What I found is during this Black Lives Matter thing, I really loved that everybody was out there protesting and the kids were out. However, I have to say this, a lot of them don't understand how your how you vote uh, has a lot to do with the policing. Um, so for instance, you have your mayors, but who's in charge? I asked them this question. Who's in charge of that police force? Who, who works with these police unions? that gets down to like your local mayors and your county, right? And then let's expand that a little more when it comes down to prosecuting uh, certain crimes, you have your district attorney. How did that person get in office? Oh, guess what? That was you too. 
we vote for DA. Guess what? The DA is, that's you, right? Your board of commissions, like our Gwinnett County Board of Commissions, is the highest governing body in Gwinnett County. All of our money, they're in control of in this county. So when we're talking roads, when we're talking police, when we're talking the zoning, um, Board of Elections has a lot of power. I mean, deciding on what we're building in this county. Now we have transit on the ballot. All of this, Gwinnett County Board pushes the money and a lot of those decisions come through them, right? So your local government is probably where I would almost fear is that you probably could ignore the federal, but I'm not telling you to do that. <laughs> I am not saying that, but I am saying when every local seat comes up, anytime anything local government is being voted on, you need to be at the polls. From your congressman to your senator to your state house representative to your state senate person, which is what I'm going to be, uh, down to your mayor, down to your sheriff. <laughs> oh, that's the other one. Hold on. People don't understand. The sheriff has almost the power of a president. Who tells the sheriff what to do? Who does he report to? So for instance, we have 287G here that our racist sheriff has decided to sign on to. Who is going to tell him to stop? Who tells him, I don't want to be part of Trump's 287G program. But he's decided that he wants to be in it. And then he tells the Board of Commission that I need money to fund that so him and his thugs can go out and arrest immigrants and lock them up. Who does he answer to? He answers to the people. So that's another seat we need to flip, our sheriffs. Mm -hmm. Now, the biggest thing I want people to understand about your local government and about my race and what happens in our state house, in our state senate, the laws that we pass there directly have, have to do with you and your money. The biggest thing we do in the state, in the, in the Georgia legislature is pass the budget. That's really our job. Like, yeah, we're gonna get some bills through and stuff and we're gonna try to work for that. But the biggest thing we do is pass the budget and we get to decide how we're gonna spend your tax paying dollars. If you notice, they cut almost $1 billion from schools. Your Republican legislator did, legislature did this. Uh, they still want to put money towards private prisons, but we're cutting money in schools. We're, we're cutting money to public services like mental health. Uh, so the reason why we couldn't stop that is, is because our legislature is out of balance. The Republicans control the House and they control the Senate, which means elections before, we have allowed them to take over and have the majority in our House and Senate. So then our Democrats are outnumbered when they try to stop harmful legislation and budgets that don't work for the people. So that is why it's incumbent upon us to flip seats every election. And another huge thing that is going to happen, and I'm going to try to explain this the way people understand, whoever holds the power in the Georgia legislature gets to drop, draw our electoral maps. How they're drawn right now is called gerrymandering, if you guys know what this means. So how it is drawn now is so that Republicans garner their Republican votes. It almost dilutes votes of like minorities. So they might cut, in my district alone, they might cut out my share of minority votes so the Republican wins, right? So what happens is you have a Republican that's in office that will not listen to the other side, his, his Democratic constituents. Why would he? When he's already drawn the map to garner his Republican votes, he got his base, he works for them. He don't got, he doesn't have to cross over and work for you. So what is going to happen is why we need to flip seats and we need to continue to flip seats. We need to take that power away from them. You know, if we flip the seats this election, great. I don't think we will, but we just need to keep our eye on the balls because they will draw the maps in their favor and they will dilute your voice and dilute your vote. Um, and again, if we're outnumbered, 
in the House and the Senate, us Democrats, and a bill comes down, you know, like we had uh, the abortion ban bill. Our, our Democrats couldn't stop that bill. We didn't have the power to do it. Confederate Monuments Bill, that was in 2018 too. It gave protections to Confederate monuments, which is another slight to black people because we pay taxes for these state- um, Monuments uh, Right, for these state monuments to be, I was trying to look for a more disturbing word. <laughs> these, <laughs> these, these atrocities to, yeah. you know, these in this, glorification of the Confederacy, that bill passed in 2018. The Democrats couldn't stop that, that bill from passing through. You know, when we start to look at things like police reform, you know, they gave protections to police. You know, yeah, they passed the hate crimes bill, but then they turned around and made police a protected class. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't stop that. Like, so the thing is, you guys, we have to, even if we don't want a majority like a majority Democrats and majority Republicans. Like we don't want either side having all the power. Let's balance the power then. Right. Because then what is going to happen is that makes them have, we have to negotiate with each, with each other. We have to hear what the Democrats want. We have to hear what the Republicans want. And we come to a decision that's win-win for all of our constituents. We don't have that right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got I don't to know if I explained it enough or no, a lot or whatever. You did. You did. But the, the bad part about it, Nikki, is I think you unpacked it and explained it. Well, it's just going to require us to do it again and again. <laughs> yeah, again. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. We, we, we got to do it because we got to get burned in with people, you know, things that they have to understand, like what you just said about gerrymandering and how that plays into policy that affects people locally. You know, a, a lot mm -hmm. of our folks don't realize how if you don't vote or you vote and your vote doesn't matter to the degree that it needs to because of gerrymandering, you are being disenfranchised, disenfranchised out of a better life. Yes. The policies yes. that affect you are weighted against you, not for you, and they're not balanced. And to your other point, we've got to demilitarize the word compromise. It's, it, it was, it was, it's meant to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Perspective, right and left, and finding a policy that, that works for all of us to the best of our degree, but we're out of balance right now. We're totally out of balance. And yep. what yep. we called out is why we've got to get this thing right and people have to have to get out and vote. So what I want to do now, because um, we've run near the end of the segment, but I want to, so we'll have to do another one because I had like five things here. I wanted to break down your platform, but before okay. we close it out, I want to give you the opportunity to speak on your most favorite platform topic. And we'll come back around and visit more later. Um, my favorite topic is just what I'm telling you, voting. This, the whole deal with politics and this whole experience that we're having and the power that the Republicans understand and is why they get out in these elections, even the smallest one, they know the power of politics. And it's always funny to me when people say, well, I don't vote. Um, and what I tell them is, well, guess what? Those making decisions about you, they do. Those that are, you know, making decisions about how many, how much taxes you pay, um, those decisions about your police, they vote every time. So even if you're not engaged, those that are making policies to affect you, they are all the time. Uh, so voting is very near and dear to me. You know, my grandmother was disenfranchised from voting, like many Black Americans, and we had to fight to have that. And um, until we can make it seamless and easy. Voting should be a holiday. You know, I think Representative McLeod uh, has a bill uh, to address that. Uh, we have to end uh, anything that we have to, any suppression. You know, uh, 2018, Gwinnett County was ground zero for um, really voter suppression. You know, uh, places not, precincts not having equipment, long lines. Uh, so we want to address things like that. So for me, I want to have, um, I want more protections for voting. Uh, I want to overhaul how we, uh, I won't say how we do voting, but I just want it at the end of the day, I want it to be easier. I want it to be seamless. I want us to do, make absentee very easy and eliminate all of these steps. We need oversight. When they struck down the voting rights clause of uh, 1965, that took away the federal oversight of our elections. Um, 
Pre-clearance. And what's that? Pre-clearance. Yes. That, it, yeah, that's the thing they called it, right? Yes. So it took away the oversight. So now when things happen like a county didn't have enough equipment or, you know, when, when we see the voting problems, there's because there's no oversight between the Secretary of State and the 159 counties, even though it is his responsibility to make sure that we're all ready and in compliance. So that's one of my top issues, um, voter protections, making voter easy, making voting easier. That is kind of a near and dear to me. I have so many issues uh, that I wanna address. And I would say the second one is schools. Mm. I mean, in Gwinnett County, that's why parents live here. That's why we moved here. Our teachers should have, and our students should have the resources that they need. What I hear from teachers, and I know your wife is an educator, is just being boggled down with red tape and just not feeling like they're supported. Oh my God. Um, being able to retain good teachers, making sure that Grayson doesn't look any different from Brookwood, so equity there. Um, making sure the schools, again, are fully funded. Uh, so that is another hot one for me as well. My kids grew up in the Georgia, you know, they've been uh, educated in Georgia public schools. I will say PK Martin, his kid goes to private school. He has no idea. And I will say even my competitor, uh, my Democratic competitor doesn't have a child in school. Um, I don't think it was in Georgia public school. <laughs> but I will say that, I will say this, I understand what that means and what uh, the effect of under-resourced schools will have on kids. And I think all kids, no matter their zip code, deserve a quality education. Um, and as I have a kid in college now, I understand the crippling debt of student loans. And it's something that we are going to have to address because that will bring down our economy as well. So I would say um, the, the voting rights, of course, protecting that and um, our schools, and then, of course, uh, healthcare top on the list as well. I have a I have an older constituency here. We must expand Medicaid here. We have to make healthcare affordable, and accessible. And as we're seeing with COVID, we, we're seeing a lot of failures failures in our healthcare. We had those failures before with uh, with uh, mortality issues. You know, uh, African American women have the highest uh, uh, mortality rate. Uh, when it comes to uh, pregnancies in the healthcare, and that's something the state has not addressed as well. So, um, yeah, those would be my top three. If uh, at, at the end of it, those are those are the those are usually the hot topics. Besides our kitchen tables wages, you know, we want everybody to have good wages and the economy. We want to boost the economy, and uh, we could talk about that. You know, my ideas on that. But I can tell you, it starts with investing in people. <laughs> <laughs> and workers and protecting our workers and giving them wages that they can live on we can start there because i'm a union worker i come you know i'll tell your listeners this i am a working class woman as a nine to five mom sitting in traffic with you know trying to get home i understand these things so as you know working class mom and a union worker i know the importance of wages i know the importance of health care i know the importance of having paid sick leave and uh, these are things I'm going to continue to fight for, not just for union workers, even though I want to make sure we're expanding the unions, of course, because I'm in the union because I think they're great, you know, uh, and I will continue to support uh, unions because I think they're good fighters of fair wages and the things I'm talking about healthcare. So I'm going to continue that fight for all working, all our working people here. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So before we close out, Nikki, if you wouldn't mind, Please share your contact information with our listeners. And of course, we got to remind them to donate. So tell them how they can go ahead and do that. You know, we got to, we got, you know, we know we got to help you out. So put that information out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Uh, elections don't just function by themselves, they don't just run. It is grassroots money is that keeps me going. That's how I'm able to send out like mailers and pay for staff and. And uh, mostly the donations do go towards voter outreach. You know, the more money I have, the more options I have to reach voters. And right now we're in COVID, we're having to use some of the more expensive ways. So that's calling, phone banking, 
texting, and you're welcome to sign up for any of those. If you want to volunteer, we're sending out postcards, please volunteer. But find me at, uh, my website is meritforgeorgia.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-T-T, the number four, georgia.com. I am on social media at merit4ga. Again, that's two R's, two T's, the number four, G-A. And um, my donation link is on the website, meritforgeorgia.com. Um, you can always reach out to us on social media. Somebody, either my or my staff, are always looking at that as well. If you need to email me for some reason, you can find me Nikki at Merit4GA.com. But we do need, we always need donations. It keeps my campaign going. Uh, you know, we're as grassroots as we can get. Yes, I do have some endorsement by some PACs, but these are PACs for like uh, pro-choice <laughs> and unions. So, you know, if you hear my competitors out there talking about, oh, she's taking PAC money. Okay, I'm taking PAC money from my union, okay? Or Planned Parenthood, not Planned Parenthood, but NARAL and uh, Voter Pro Choice and Vote Mama. So it's not like dark money coming in, you know? Uh, so I, I just try to dispel that for people. But uh, the majority of my donations are coming from single donors. Um, and I don't care if you can give me a dollar up to 2000 but I will take that dollar because I can send out one more mailer with that dollar. So don't ever think that your contribution is too small. It's not. And it also just shows support. And um, I appreciate everybody that uh, whatever that contribution is, whether it's money or volunteering. Again, we always have volunteer opportunities as well. Absolutely. I can proudly say that the Browns have donated to the Mary campaign and we will yes, do they have. <laughs> so you folks get on out there, get it done. Nikki, I really want to thank you for taking the time to etch the edges with us today. It's Thanks for having me. This is Absolutely. awesome. I love that. I enjoyed it. And we will be reaching out to you again. Uh, sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. I look forward to it. All right. Bye, everybody out there. Y'all go vote. <laughs> <laughs> well, we must thank Nikki for visiting with us here on Etch the Edges. If we're going to close the divide and make policy that benefits us Americans, then we have to do the work. Engage, conversate, clarify, question, have the courage to step out, to vote. And to you, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. So please, like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at edgetheedges.com. Check us out and pick up some of that swag that will express your commitment to the cause. The cause of a better America, where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Go, see, understand, do it for America. And finally, be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time.